And we are live. JT here. Welcome to The Huddle. The Huddle is where I sit down with successful people from the world of sport and coaching. It's to learn more about their journey to greatness. Why do I have these conversations? Because success always leaves clues. I want to take a moment to thank you, whether you are joining us live as we stream into our Facebook community, whether you are watching the replay on YouTube or on Facebook, or whether you're listening to the recording of the audio on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me and my special guest today. And here's my friendly reminder to you. The mind is like a parachute. It works best when it's wide open. My challenge to you is to keep your mind wide open, to go all in and listen and watch this conversation. And I guarantee you, you will gain a valuable nugget of wisdom that will not only help you succeed in football, but in the game of life. I've been looking forward to my conversation with my special guest today. It's one where we've known each other for a few years, despite how young and energetic we look. But, you know, we've known each other for a while. So I thought, you know, now is the time to, to really dive deep and, and learn more about his journey and really just learn more about the amazing things he's growing in his new role. My guest in the huddle today is the head coach of the London Beefeaters in the Canadian Junior Football League. He's also the head coach for the Junior Varsity of the London Junior Mustangs. My guest in the huddle today is Coach Matt Snyder. How are you today, Coach? I'm great. This is, I've been looking forward <laughs> to this all week since we talked. Yeah. So I'm excited to be here. It's going to be a good chat. Yeah, definitely will be. And I know uh, we'll have, we'll go some fun places and, and really dive a little bit deeper. So, Coach, one thing before we get started is one of the things I often remind myself is the importance of counting your blessings. And for me, it, it's a daily practice. It's something I constantly remind myself. And what I want to count my blessings for today is just, you know, time and energy is our most precious resource. So I, I, again, I'm feeling so blessed that you're able to carve out some time and energy into being here with me and our community today. So thank you so much, brother. Again, really looking forward to our conversation. Thanks. I appreciate it all. Okay. So, brother, one of the first things I like to do is to remind people, life is a game, and games are supposed to be fun. So I'm curious, what is an interesting fact? I had a coaching colleague that said, we all have our quirks. What is something that maybe a lot of people don't know about you that you'd be open to sharing with our community? Whew. I'm a pretty private guy, so I think there's a lot of people that don't know much about me. And so a couple of things I wrote, I actually wrote a list down. Um, I'm a hockey guy. I play beer league hockey on Monday night, so I know I don't look it, but I'm pretty good. Slow, but I got good hands. I actually play with Mike Stenning, a, a, another good friend of ours, and so we play together. And we're pretty, we're pretty, pretty lethal out there, as long as the pace doesn't get too fast. Okay. 
huge, huge Seinfeld guy. Our family is a huge oh. Seinfeld. Like me and my brother, like our language is Seinfeld. So we really don't talk about football too much, which is crazy because we have two football guys. And when we get yeah. together, we pretty much just talk about Seinfeld. Okay. Uh, video game guy. I love to play NCAA. When COVID started, I, I pulled up the PlayStation and I started playing NCAA 14. And I'm like okay. 52 years in now. So that's kind of been my like retrieve from the COVID stress. Yeah. And I think probably the most thing that maybe people would not know about me is I have a degree in U.S. history. So people are like, oh, I'm a football guy. Yeah, I'm also a huge history buff. So big, like, history documentary guy. And especially in the winter, I love to watch, like, stuff on Netflix, history talks and stuff. So big history guy as well. So I think that would be probably the maybe a couple of things that people might be surprised about me outside of football. It's interesting, you know, and – I appreciate you being so open to sharing, but you know, what I really heard from that again is, is one is having importance of having multi-passions away from the football field was the one thing, but it was interesting how it's sort of connected, right? You know, your, your men's league hockey is connected with a great friend, right? Yeah. Uh, Seinfeld is a connector with you and your brother, right? And, and, and just this history to passion of, you know, being yeah. able to look at things and learn lessons. It's, it's funny how all of those, um, all of those elements actually, are such important and, and simple ways to live a successful and fulfilled life. Yeah. 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 That's exactly it. Like I got a lot of good friends and I spend a lot of time with good people. And I, one of the things that football does for me is it's a, there's a social aspect of it too. Right. So you get to be around people. It's not just the coaching. I love coaching, but I also like being around people. So the history degree is kind of the, I think the most interesting thing, like, I went to Windsor to play football, and yeah. when I got there, like, I was like, what am I going to take? I got to have courses, like, all this history, and then I got into this history program, and I didn't realize that they have, like, a crazy deep U.S. history. They bring a lot of teachers over from the States, which, you know, makes sense. They're a border city. That was the first time in my life I'd actually gone to school where I, I was like, man, this is, I'm interested in this. Like, I want to do well. I was a terrible high school student. Went to college for a year, like was awful there, was working in a bar. Um, and then I went to Windsor to play football, but it opened the door for me. Like I wouldn't have gone there if it wasn't for football, but I left there with a degree. And by the end of it, I was like, this is, I'm pretty into this. I should have, in hindsight, become a teacher. I had a job offer right when I was graduating and I was like, oh, I'll just take this job and go back. And then it's just how life works. You, you start making money, it's hard to stop. So <laughs> in hindsight, I, I wish I had become a high school teacher yeah. to coach football, but also to work with kids. But yeah, the degree, the history degree was something that I stumbled into. And at the end of it, I was pretty, pretty invested. In it. So it's crazy how you can find yourself in those situations. Yeah, no. And, and I love what you're sharing there. Cause you know, very similar to my journey, right. I, I was disengaged, you know, throughout most of school, high school. And then, you know, when the opportunity came up that football you know, could be an option at the post-secondary level. It's funny how that kind of sparked me to be more diligent, right? To, to, uh, in the classroom, right? And it just because I wanted the opportunity. So no, I, I, I definitely can appreciate, you know, um, how powerful sport can be. Sure. So, so I'm curious from you, you have played, you've coached at, at a high level, right? Like you had a very diverse background, right? Like you were university, um, you played also uh, with the beasts back in the day. Um, you you then played say, semi- I wouldn't say I played at a high level. I practiced 
with okay. guys that were at a high level. I yeah. watched a lot of high level football yeah. in university. I yeah. wasn't actually I wasn't actually that great of a player. I was probably yeah. pretty consistent and then yeah. started to peter out at the end as the people around me got better. Yeah. I kind of figured out pretty quickly that I had a niche and I had to like fulfill that role as best as I could to stick around. But like, yeah, to say I was a great player would be inaccurate. <laughs> um, but it doesn't, yeah, I'm pretty happy with how my career went. Like, I feel yeah. like I got a lot out of it and I got, yeah. I squeezed as much out of it as I could, but like there's a thousand guys better than me yeah. right now. So, yeah. Okay. So, so I'm curious. So, so like you said, it, it put you into this environment, right? Where you yep. were around other high performers, right? People yep. who, so, so I'm curious, you know, you brought up the word consistency. Um, what would you say was probably the biggest lesson that you took away from, you know, being at so many, playing at so many different levels, coaching at so many different levels, being around so many high performers, what would you say is probably the biggest life lesson you've learned? Uh, I'm more of like an antidote guy than like an epiphany. For me, it's been like just a series of small antidotes versus like one mind blowing thing. Yeah. I think I've learned from coaching. Like I coached a grade eight team when I came back from London, they're terrible. Like they hadn't won in like four years. So we, took over this grade eight team and then we kind of moved up i started coaching t-birds i was coaching high school i coached junior mustangs i coached junior for a year in 2015 was at western one thing i, I noticed is like football is the same grade eight football university football same stuff same mistakes just higher faster level bigger kids but they make the same mistakes at western that they made at, when i was coaching lmfa in terms of like techniques and you know power and the guard pulls too wide so it's the same it's just the level of coaching and the level of players is higher more detail focused but football football if you're a great football coach you can coach probably any level right i think a guy that coached lmfa that was really good could probably go to western and within a couple of years learn what he needs to technically and like schematically to be able to be effective there so i think there's great coaches all around and that's probably the one thing I would say I've kind of picked up is like football, football. And it's all, and I think athletes all want the same thing. Like when I went to Western, I'm going off on a tangent, but when I went to Western, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm never coached this level. I'm around like all these amazing coaches, these players. Like, what if I don't know what I'm talking about? And I got up there and I was like, these guys just want to be coached the exact same. In fact, some of them, they want to be coached more. I kind of, when I showed up there the first year, I was guest coaching in spring. My brother was there. He's like, oh, come up, help us out in the winter. Or sorry, in the training camp. And I went up there and I was like, ah, I probably just kind of keep my mouth quiet for a couple of days and figure it out. And I got up there and these players are like craving feedback. I was like, no, I got to do the opposite. I got to talk all the time. I just have to constantly be coaching. I'm just a guest coach. They don't know me. I just met them. But they just want to know what, what they can do better. So it kind of made me realize like the players just want the feedback you coach grade eights in LMFA, like same thing. They just want to get better. They want to have fun. They want to get better. So I think players all across the board, if you can help them get better and they mm -hmm. see that you care about them and that you can help them improve, they're going to be receptive to it. No matter who you are, where you came from, it doesn't matter that I coached LMFA five years ago. They just, this guy's helping me. He wants to make me better. I'm going to take the coaching. Right. So. You know, I, I, I love that simple idea, Matt. And it was great that you sort of took, 
you know, you reminded me of, of this amazing timeline you've had, right? And again, we've known each other for a few years. So I've been able to observe just this, this timeline of you going from LMFA to, you know, all the way to Western and then now what you're doing here. And I love that you brought up this idea, like people just want to know you care, right? Like they want to, you know, I think that that comes back to the greatest, one of the greatest needs of every human. They want to feel seen, they want to feel heard, they want to feel appreciated. So, so one thing I definitely know knowing you for, for many years is people feed off your passion, right? Like anyone that knows you, anyone that's talked to you knows you're, you're passionate about football, you're passionate about helping people get better. So, so I'm curious, was that a lesson that was instilled to you, you know, from an early age, or is that something that maybe just got reinforced through one experience, right? Yeah, I think to me, it was more just like trial and error and seeing all the mistakes I made. Like I was not, when I started coaching, I was a bad coach. I was probably like the worst kind of coach there was because like, I was really focused on like X and O's and skis. Oh, it's all about plays. Like I got to have a better play. I got to call a better play. And then just like going through situations. Like I just remember all these things from being at high school itself, like all these little lessons I learned and just like talking to Mike afterwards and kind of being like, okay, we'll never let that happen again. And kind of realizing like there was times at South when I put us in bad situations as the coach, like I was the offensive coordinator and I would look, we lost again. I was like, that's my fault. We lost that game because I was terrible. I did a bad job preparing. So to answer your question, I don't think it's any one moment. It was for me just like a whole bunch of little lessons that I've always just like kind of tweaked where I want to go and then starting to get me towards like what I think is important. And then I think going to Western, it was the right time for me to move there because I got to go up finally where I had enough like confidence in what I was doing. And then I got to be around Coach Marshall and Gaetan Richard and two guys that I got a ton of time for, like just all the time in the world who are high level coaches and Steve kind of coaching with him that one year and seeing how they did things. And I was like, okay, I can take my coaching abilities to the next level through because I'm going to copy what they're doing. But also I'm seeing them do things that I'm doing. So it confirms to me that I'm not on the, I'm not on a terrible path. Like I am kind of going towards the right spot. So I think that's probably for me, how I've gotten here and kind of where I'm at and had, you know, the opportunities that I've been able to get. Well, and, it, and again, it's really interesting. And I, again, I appreciate you being so open to sharing, you know, I just think of even, you know, again, we've, we've, <laughs> we've coached against each other, right. For, for yeah. many years. And it was interesting to be able to, you know, I, upon, you know, thinking about our conversation, I really reflected on, wow, it's been this interesting time, right. Where I remember back when in high school, when you, when you first came to South, it was, you know, I was at Banting and we had some great on-field games and then, you know, then South really started to take off you and Mike and Dave really started to, to, to really, you know, establish one of the premier programs in the province and then in here. And, and through the whole time, what I really observed was you were simplifying, right? Like what you did, you knew what you did. You knew what your core values were. And it was like, stop it. And, and yeah. it, it was almost that simplification built this consistency that you knew what you're going to have. And that actually created greater results on the field. hundred million percent. That's like, that's pretty much, and let's be honest, like yeah. we got really good right around the time we started to get really good players. Like yeah. I am the first guy to admit, like 
Ethan Martin was a huge part of us having yeah. the success we had. Yeah. But also, like, we coached those kids very hard, too. Like, I look at Spencer Nichols. He's probably the best fullback we ever had, but he wasn't the fullback when we had him there. Like, yeah. we moved him there. But, but that's not to say, like, oh, I made Spencer Nichols amazing. No, Spencer Nichols was amazing because Spencer Nichols wanted to be amazing. But we, I think, just showed in the past. But, like, you're 100% right. Like, if you're talking football-wise, if we're talking about X and O's for a sec, like, my whole thing now, what I've kind of grown into is, like, you have to have an identity. Like, what is your team's identity? Because yeah. if you try to be too much, you're going to be not very good at everything. I'd rather be really good at a small package. And now it's easy for me to regain focus when we start to, like, things go wrong, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, like, X and O's-wise, we've actually, yeah, gotten less and less. We probably run less stuff. I know we run less stuff now than we ran – the first year we played you guys at Banting in the playoffs at TD, which is actually a game I wrote down. Like that was a huge game for me. <clears throat> that was a game that that's like, we talk about those antidotes. That game was an antidote for me. I remember sitting in the parking lot. We played you guys at Red Feather, which in yeah. London, if you're a London guy, you understand it. Red Feather at Western is a huge deal. Yeah. And you guys pumped us. And then we played you guys in the playoffs first round at Western. And we kind of went into that week and we changed a lot of stuff. Like our mm -hmm. schemes were, we were running off. So we came on a completely different offense. And I remember sitting in the parking lot. This is a crazy story. I think only Mike knows this story. I was sitting in the parking lot at the Tim Hortons on baseline and Wellington having a panic attack at like 8 30 in the morning because it was snowing and raining. And I was like, we're going to lose this game because we cannot throw the football. And I am, we, we have done too much stuff and I am going to, we're going to be awful. And we went out, we played you guys tough. Our kids mm -hmm. saved my ass on that day. And that was one of the things that I was like, we got to, we got to start to figure out a way to play football in the snow in London. I'm a spread guy. I want to throw the ball. So that was kind of like, you know, that kind of set me on my path to like schematically where we got into today. But I just remember sitting there being like, this is not going to be a good day for us. Yeah. So, and then we played you guys tough. You guys beat us. And yeah. I, I remember that. I remember that game. You know, again, that was probably one of our, our better teams at, at Banting in my time there. And yeah. it was interesting that, yeah, it was it was a tight game. And you could tell that the, the level of preparation that you and the and the players had put in, that you and the other coaches had put in. And again, a great game. You know, it was pure like Canadian playoff football weather, right? And it just epitomized it. So, so I'm curious and, and, you know, for, for some of us that have, you know, been coached by both of us or, or that know both of us, they'd actually probably be interesting. I found it interesting near the end of uh, my high school coaching career. And I know you were starting to transition to Western there of, I think as much as we had some great games near the end between Lucas and South, I think people would probably be surprised that you and I, and actually had some conversations we were still communicating during that season and we were both like hey it's just great to play great football right because i remember this, that right i remember so, yeah yeah sorry go ahead you finish well it's just interesting because there was this perception this illusion that it was all like this um this battle and that everyone hated everyone but you know i still remember having great conversations with you after games great conversations with with coach stenning and coach martin and it was just like it was one of those where we just wanted to coach kids up, play meaningful football and just have a great time. And we could still celebrate just this beautiful game. The rivalry between South and Lucas yeah. was a big part of why we were able to kind of move South forward. We created a rivalry for our kids because the first year I coached at South, you guys 
I don't think you were even – you were at Banning, but we played yeah. Lucas, and they just pounded us. Like, we weren't yeah. very good. So we kind of said, like, all right, we, we might not be a city championship team right now, but we're going to make our kids think we're going to be Lucas. So we created this rivalry where we just talked about all the time. Like, we wouldn't let our kids wear blue at so If you wore blue on the practice field, we'd send you home. Yeah. And it was all just, like, kind of manufacturing this fake goal where, hey, even if we're 0-5, if we beat Lucas, we're happy. Um, and so it started, like, you know how high school kids are young. High school kids, they, they took it seriously. They actually hated each other. Like, we played – in a touch football league against Lucas one winter. And like, we had a brawl between these two schools. I was like, this is, um, it's kind of amazing that our kids care this much, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we moved over to Lucas. We were having some pretty good games, but, and like on the, like during the week, we're like, Oh, we hate those guys. We're going to beat them up. But then I remember we played you and you beat us. Huh. And I called you on the way home after the game. And I was like, I'm just going to call Dewey and just chat. I was just like, Hey man, like, huh. I remember exactly what I told you. It felt good to play a game where it was just about like very hard hitting football, but we kind of yeah. like, we had obviously like, I had some issues with some of the old coaches at, at Lucas. Like there was, yeah. it got pretty I think we both got into it. But <laughs> with, with you, when you were there, it was, it was like a lot of, I felt like mutual respect between us yeah. where we wanted to play and we wanted to win. But like, we both also kind of knew like, this is good for the game. Like we're creating a rivalry that's good for both of us. Mm -hmm. and it's going to make both of us better like having you there made us have to work harder yeah. because we knew that you were going to kind of make them a more fundamentally sound team and so we had to try to adapt a little bit of what we were doing in the past so i, I remember calling yeah. you on, on the way home and we had that talk it was a great talk yeah no it was and and i was just giggling this week as i was prepping because you know some people again sometimes they only see what's on social media right great yeah. reminder that you sometimes only see what's on the field or on social media but yeah. there's a lot of moving parts behind the scenes right that you just sometimes Absolutely. don't realize so so i'm curious so you know after after you know that 2018 season you know you, you start to transition to western and and now you're in this role with with the beefs and one of the things that i really love about you being in this role is that you're like a community guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you coached a high, a high level, but you care about, you know, the football community in London, in the province and in the country. So, so what was the driver for you to, you know, move into this role, like, and take this opportunity? Ooh, a lot of things. Um, kind of the timing was right for me. Mm -hmm. I, I was at Western. I loved it. Like Western was amazing. I love being at Stokes. When I went to Western, it was a very hard decision for me to give up coaching high school. Like, I was at this high school with, A, my two best friends. B, like, we had built this thing together, like, three of us. And, and Mike does a great job as the head coach, as the administrator. But he also, one thing I love about him is he gives us, and I, I mean, by asking me and Dave, like, we have a lot of ownership as well. Like, we all kind of have a say in how we want to go, um, which is unique because you have three guys that are so close kind of driving things it allows us to really make the best decisions so when I left there I was like oh it's hard I knew they were going to be very good but I really wanted to experience something different I had a chance originally I was going to go up there and coach because Steve was there and I had guest coach in the summer and I was like man I really like it up here there's a great vibe and I learned a lot it was like I was kind of it was unique to be in a place that summer where I was like the lowest guy in the totem pole like I, I was like I feel like I know probably the least amount of these guys so I'm gonna have to get better to coach here 
And then as I was kind of working through the transition, Steve got the Queens job and he's like, I'm going to Kingston. I was like, eh, I don't know if I could move to Kingston. Like, so he was actually the one that was like, well, why don't you just coach at Western still? So he set up a meeting with me and Coach Marshall. And when I met with Coach Marshall, I was just like, I got to be around this guy. So yeah. going up to Western, it was really interesting because I just got to learn. Like, I just basically was like, I'm just going to sit there and learn everything I can. I'm going to take notes. I have these huge notebooks of things. And I went up there and just trying to learn as much as I could about football. And I saw a bunch of stuff that I never thought of. I saw things that I was doing that they were doing better. I saw some things where I was like, you know what? I don't know if I would do it that way, to be honest. I think that that, that works for them, but it might not work for me. So it just gave me a lot of exposure to like high level thinking of football. And then kind of going through that, it was the one thing about Western is they're very good. But it's very demanding. You can't coach up there half half speed if that makes sense right yeah. you got to be all in because if not you, you might get exposed a little bit like if you're not prepared it's going to be obvious that you're not really ready to go so i i was putting on a lot of time which is awesome but i have another job and i got a life and i kind of have a house and so <laughs> i kind of realized like right at the time when i had to step away like i had all these things in my life i was like i gotta make a choice here and this is the first it was probably the first decision i ever made where football didn't win so I stepped aside from Western because I just got married. We were supposed to get married in the fall or the spring. We had to get pushed back because of COVID. We were moving this house. I just started like a new job like a week before and training. I was like, oh my God, this will never work. So kind of going away, um, I went back to high school. But right around then, the beef opportunity opened up. I mean, I also had a really strong desire to be a head coach. Like I wanted to be a head coach at a high level. Uh, being at Western, I kind of realized that it probably wouldn't happen for me at the, at the university level, because I just didn't have the ability to like make the commitment in my career to like take a job. Like I, I can't move out East to be an offensive coordinator because financially I just couldn't afford it. Like I couldn't take that much of a pay cut. The reality is like Canadian football is amazing. Some of the guys, they don't make as much as they probably deserve to just, it's just yeah. not how it works. Right. So I kind of realized like it would be very tough for me to move into that role, which is my dream at the university level, but there's a, a viable off, off, like alternative at, at junior where you could have the same type of experience of coaching at like the highest national level, um, but still not have to make that like life commitment. Right. And like my wife has a career. She, I can't just say, Oh, we're moving out. Like, and I'm not knocking people that do it. That's my brother made those choices, but like, in my situation at my age, I couldn't ask her to just give up her career for us to go and move and take like a, a huge pay cut. So I guess kind of all that aside, the opportunity for the beast job opened up and I, I kind of thought like, Hey, it, it gives me a chance to coach at the highest level, which is what I want. It gives me a chance to be a head coach, which is what I want. But also like, there's a ton of potential there. You could turn this. And, and it's not like I said to somebody a while ago, like, I'm in a unique spot. I'm taking over a team that's very good. It's not like we're, this team is really bad, but I think that we can create something that's even better, right? I, I look at this program that's been around London for so long and it has a lot of transition. It's very, you know, it's been through a lot of different people, the nature of that, of that level of football. But ideally, like, I think you could create something where there's a lot of pride where people want to play for you and they leave and say like, that's my team. I played for the B-Feeders and I'm a Beast alumni. Whereas maybe in the past, you're like, I guess I'll play B-Feeders this year. No, no, we want to create where people, this is a destination, right? I've learned like 
I've coached a whole bunch of different types of kids and there's so many football players in Ontario that love football, but just like school's not for them. Yeah. What do you, what do those kids do? Like when I was recruiting at Western recruiting, like Western is a very unique place. They have amazing football traditions, but they're also amazing academics. So it's like, you get the best of both worlds and they have resources and support all this stuff to make sure that like the best of the best can succeed. And I'd be recruiting these players and I was like, man, I really like this guy as a player, but like, I'm, I just, you will never, you, you can't get into the school. Unfortunately, your academics is, are not going to allow you to, to be a student here, but like, where does this kid play? What, what is this kid's path? Is it over for him? I, I don't know. Like to me, that's not right. That, that kid shouldn't have to just be done with football. So yeah. And that's what junior football provides the avenue for that type of kid to keep playing at a high level and be a part of it. And I think that's what we want to try to create in London is just a place where kids that are going in a different path say, I, I'm going to play for that team. And that's going to be kind of my home for the next five years. And I'm going to go through the same journey that a freshman at Western would go through. I'm going to come in as 18 year old. I'm going to leave at 22. I'm going to play five years. I'm going to get it better. I'm going to be improved. I'm going to be part of their tradition. And when I leave, I'm going to have pride in what the beef eaters are. I'm going to make that my team. I'm going to support them, hopefully financially, you know, donations. That's a big thing. But um, just try to create kind of like a program. So I don't know yeah. if that even is a question. I forgot what you asked, but that's kind of what our thoughts are on it, right? No, I, I love it. It does. And and what I really heard from you again was the importance of like diverse pathways, right? And and I love, and, and I think that that comes through lived experience. I think we start to realize here that, yeah, university isn't the path. Can anyone do it? Absolutely. Is everyone willing to? No. And, and that's okay. But I love the fact of just giving more diverse pathways for people. And, and especially as we know, right? Like football is kind of a unique beast in the fact of you sometimes get, you know, there, there are some rough around the edges that need the structure that need football, right. In order, just because it, it gives them some structure, it gives them, it teaches greater life lessons. So, so I love everything you're sharing. That's a hundred percent. I think back to all the kids at South that would not have graduated if they didn't have football. There's two kids that come to mind. Like I always think like, if you were going to talk about, how football keeps kids and that's what football that's what high school sports is about at the end of the day high school sports are important because they keep kids that might not be in want to stay in school involved in school so that kid can graduate from high school and some people don't understand that like you know if all those kids didn't have sports they might not stick around your school some of those kids like they they really don't care about you know pythagorean theorems guys yeah like that's just the reality so yeah i think back to these two twins we had at sales and bomiers and like they're a classic example of like if they didn't have football, there's no way they probably went to university. Now they, they're graduates from university. They're going to be paramedics. They're like going on their second, you know, post-secondary experience where they're going to have a great career. They're both going to get married. They're going to have amazing things. But like football is what carried them through to that point. Mm -hmm. Because if there's no high school football, and I'm not knocking those guys. I love them. I'll tell them to their face. They probably aren't, you know, where they are at today. So, yeah. That's it. Well, well, and again, you know, I sort of, you know, think about, again, the diversity of pathways. And that's something I've grown a greater appreciation for just in stepping away from the safe and comfortable path of education, right? Like there's lots of different ways to get to your end goal. Uh -huh. And and I think it's one of those ones where I think it's just calling a spade a spade. We're programmed to believe there's one path to success in the game of life. 
And there's multiple paths. I even think of just there, uh, I saw the beast were posting, you know, I thought of another great London, uh, you know, Taz Bell, right? He getting invited to CFL Combine. So, so again, you know, there's lots of different ways to get to your final destination. You just got to be open to the how, right? And, and I love, so I love someone like you that's in a big picture that sees that, that, that really just wants to create these pathways for, for more young mm-hmm. people is in your role. Exactly. And it's not just like Taz and Cody are great examples of two guys that were very talented, but just university wasn't for them. Mm-hmm. They had to go another direction. And, but those two players, like they, they have the talent to, to at least get the chance to see if they can compete at the highest level. Like, can they play pro? We're going to find out, but th- this team gave them the chance to move into that where they had the chance. Right. But, there's players that just want to play because they want to play football and they love it. Like don't just play junior. Don't just keep playing football to go pro. Like maybe you just love football and you want to be around yeah. a team for five more years. Like, okay, that's what our team can provide too. Right. Yeah. It's, it's sometimes I think it becomes so much about like, Oh, the offer chasing too. Right. That's one thing yeah. I noticed at Western is like, we would talk to kids and I would be recruiting. And I was like, man, I don't even think this kid knows anything about our school. I just think he wants to say he got an offer from us. But like at the end of the day, like, how is that going to help you? Yeah. You know, like in kind of investing in what you're doing, like, you know, come to Western because it's a great academic institution. Don't just say you want to offer from Western, but some kids, they just want to play football or they just want to be a part of something. Right. Yeah. They just want to be on a team for five more years. They played high school and they're like, man, I love being on a team with people. I want to keep doing that. Where do I do that? Mm-hmm. There's, there's no beer league football teams around. Right. There's no like, you know, go down to the old football facility on Mondays and play a game and have some drinks like you got to have a part of it it's got to be there's got to be some structure to it I think that's really what junior football provides and that's where I'm kind of excited about the opportunity that I think we can provide players and try to create some structure and some you know some substance for them to be a part of something great well, again, and, and what I love everything about your sharing, it's, it's aligned with that, that Canada's long-term athlete development plan, right? Like this, mm-hmm. the, the seven stages, law, right? Like active for life. It's getting kids yeah. engaged, right? So so I'm curious from, from your end, I know we've had some conversations, you know, before this, like, you know, one of our pillars, you know, in my role as serving as director of sport with Football Ontario, one of our visions is, is and missions is, hey, football for all, provide football mm-hmm. for all. So, so I'm curious from your perspective, what is... What can we do as a collective to be able to provide more diverse, equitable, and inclusive opportunities to help grow this game and share these this beautiful game with more people and get more people involved? Jeez, that's a good question. Cost is the number one thing to me. Yeah, I don't know how you ever challenge it. I just know it's a problem. Like we got to keep the lower the cost is, the more opportunity people will have. So we got to figure out a way to keep the cost down. I think the regionalization of, we were talking about summer football before we came on. I think the regionalization of summer football will help that because it will keep programs that might not have the resources able to play because they don't have to, you know, travel as much. So they keep the cost down, which is obviously going to go back to the, to the end user of the player. Um, I think some of the things like there has to be a, a pathway for the elite player to go. I understand that. I think it's yeah. something that needs to happen, but there also needs to be the pathway for the, player that's not elite to just participate and stay involved right mm-hmm. so i think just creating different avenues for players to track through mm-hmm. and then giving players the chance to improve in the winter through like all the camps and stuff 
so that those players that might not be ready or as skilled can improve where they can compete for those maybe elite spots, right? If that makes sense, I, I guess just the more opportunity we can provide, the better. Like this, the whole uh, like female football thing, five years ago, I, I was not, I was like, I, I just, I'm not, I'm worried about my own team. And now I see more of it. I know the, like the junior Mustangs are getting involved and I'm like, yeah, that's very interesting. Like, that's something I, I, I think I want to go and watch and see, you know, is there a way I could help these people out as well? Like, I don't know if I have the time to coach at that level, but like, yeah. I just see like, you know, football is growing. And at the end of the day, like the more people you have playing football in Ontario, the better it is for us because it keeps the game healthy, right? Games gets more mm-hmm. coaches. So I think that, and then the other the, I think the other thing I think makes a huge difference is providing resources to coaches so they can improve you know like i'm a huge clinic guy i had a chance to sit in on a whole bunch of clinics and then i've been invited to do some clinics and i'm trying to provide content for people that'll help them like how would i what what kind of things would i want have wanted to know or do i want to know how can i help people and and sometimes i can feel like oh why are you telling these guys about what we do i'm like guys it doesn't matter like i'm not telling them exactly what we call it but like the concept the concept but I could help this person become a better coach. Maybe it makes his team better. And then we have more opponents to play. So it benefits us in the long run, or maybe he develops a player and then he sends me the player for beef feeder. So I can help that guy out as well. But also like, it's just like, you know, that guy helped me out. So I'm going to help this guy out because that's how I can give back to the game as like a thank you for what I got when I was coming or, you know, I'm still learning, but like when I was trying to figure things out for myself, I had people helping me. I'm going to help the next guy and then he'll help the next guy. So that's, I think, a part of it. So the resources for coaches would be another huge thing. I think that's something that a lot of people are starting to figure out. If we can improve the coaching, we'll in turn improve the players. And so it's a huge focus in Ontario the last couple of years, right? I, I love that idea. And, and you know, I know, you know, you, you mentioned your big analogy guy. It, it's that idea of like creating, right? Building bridges instead of fences. Yeah. And, and it's interesting that, you know, before we hopped on here, we we're talking about, you know, servant leadership. And, and I'm a firm believer that servant leadership is, it, its focus is on creating win-win-wins. And, you know, when you truly come from that mindset where you're just like, uh, you know, I can win, you can win, everyone else can win, you know, it's just, it's a different mindset, right? It, it's one that promotes this idea of like abundance, prosperity, riches, greatness, like wealth, like everyone can win. And, and, it, and it just, you start competing on, you start creating on a completely different level. Like you, in essence, and this is something my mentor said, you know, professionals create, amateurs compete, you know? So it's just this idea, like when you come from that mindset, hey, I got this, it, it, you're playing at a next level. Like it doesn't hmm. even matter what everyone else is doing. When I was in high school, I was like a very... I was a very adversarial coach. Like, you know, I would be like, oh, I, I hate those guys over there. I think back to like CCH, I'll be honest. I probably yeah. wasn't a huge Mark Howard fan, but I didn't know him. I was just basing it off of what I thought. Yeah. And then one day I had a chance to talk to Mark Howard and I was like, shame on me. Like this guy's a great guy. Yeah. And now I, he's a guy that I would say, like, I would consider him a close friend of football. I had a talk with him a couple summers ago for like three hours one day. And I was like, man, I, I freaking love this guy. This is my guy. Like I want to coach with this guy at some point. I want to be around him. Like he's, he gets it. And so, but because like I was trying to win and they were trying to win and we were playing each other. I was like, ah, I don't like this guy. Get out, get out of here. But it's kind of shame on me. I went to Western 
And I remember sitting there before we played Waterloo and like Bertoya comes into our coach's office and just sits down. And I was like, those guys don't, they're not like that. They don't yeah. coach like that. They just like, they're all in it together. They're, they're competing. Yeah. Like they want to win, but like they're competing. I remember when Steve, we played Queens week two when I was at Western. Big deal for our family. Big deal for me. We're playing my brother. Yeah. All our family's out there. And then I think they won like the next week. And I remember Greg was like so happy for Steve that he won his first game. And I was just like, this guy is like the highest level coach in the country. And he just like, he's not adversarial. Why am I being like that when I'm coaching people? That's not what it's about. It's about yeah. competing, but like, you don't have to hate everybody you're competing against. You can be happy for other people's success. Like, yeah. you know, like what's the thing? Like, you know, helping lighting someone else's candle doesn't make your flame burn any less bright. That's something yeah. I've had to learn. And I've kind of mm-hmm. started to try to, live like that over the last few years and I and my brother talked to you about that he's always like you know this new role you can't go and hate everyone I'm like I know I gotta I gotta change the way I think about things because but seeing like high level people how they act around other coaches you're like it's not about hating it's about helping each other and like yeah. being there right so it's yeah. crazy but when I watched seeing how happy that coach Marshall was for Steve was he got his first win to me yeah. was like a, one of those things when I was like why am I hating on everyone when this guy is celebrating his former coaches, like celebrate, like their successes. So it kind of mm-hmm. taught me like, maybe I need to change the way I think about some, some things when in that regard. And I, when I came back to high school last year, I was way less adversarial with people than I had been. I tried to be a yeah. lot more like open with different guys and talking to players, like even just simple things like talking to coaches before the games, like, I would never have done that in the old days. I was like, ah, oh, I can't. Like, they're the enemy. And I'm like, hey, like, what's going on, man? Like, I haven't seen you in so long. Great to be back. I remember having a great talk with Ben Shaw before we played yeah. dancing, talking to Bester before we played Parkside. So yeah. that's something like that small antidote kind of changed the way I think about stuff. Yeah. Help me, help me grow. Well, it's interesting, right? And a word that came up several times you were sharing there is like celebrate. You know, and, and, and what I often like to, you know, I like to ask questions to get people to stop and think, but when, you know, I said, like, just imagine what's possible if you chose to celebrate the wins of others as much as your own, you know what we, I mean? Like it's hundred percent. We, right? we played Laurier this year in the finals. Yeah. Great game. Came down to the last play. And I remember like when we we're trying to win the game, I want to win that game. I remember like we had played them six times in the playoffs and we, we beat him a couple times and I remember after one of the games like way back John Kablinskis who was a guy that like he coached me like I love that guy he coached me when I was young he said to me like in line like the handshake line like you know you guys get us every year and I, I remember saying like one day you're gonna beat us like I know you're like don't be sad like you're gonna be a-. when they beat us this year like the last play of the game I was like I had this like huge wave of like sadness over me but also like there was this small bit of me that I was kind of like I like laughed out loud I was like John just beat us and I remember in line I was like I'm very happy for you I'm sad that we lost I want to win this game very bad I'm gonna go home and cry tonight but I was very happy for John that he kind of got to celebrate that and that was like one of the first times where I was like celebrating someone else's success right because I just Mm -hmm. knew like how he had been through it he had been on the end of us winning all our championships. He was the guy that was losing. Mm-hmm. Now he's getting his chance. That doesn't mean I don't want to win. Like I want to win badly, but you don't have to hate on everybody all the time 
doesn't make you win anymore. It doesn't make your win any sweeter. It's just like mm-hmm. that guy won today and we'll win the next one, hopefully. But good mm-hmm. on John, right? Good on Kowalskis for getting his first championship. And yeah. Doesn't mean we care any less. Doesn't mean our players are any, you know, less desirable or they don't care. We just, they won today. That's what it's about. That's what sports is about. Sometimes you lose. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I think what you just shared with there is a simple and powerful reminder, right? Like it's being objective, right? It, it's, it's really, and, and one of my favorite quotes is, is the Nelson Mandela quote, right? I never lose. I either win or I learn. And, and that simple idea, I either win or I learn is a simple reminder that, you know, whatever has happened up to this point, it's facts, right? You're going back to history, right? It, it is what it is. And when you learn to just observe and, and create the win, which is a celebration, and when you just simply, yeah, what can I do to get better from this? It just, it just makes life feel lighter. And I find like you just, it, it goes back to the idea of like life is a game and, and games are supposed to be fun. For sure. Yeah, I think, yeah, I just remember back, I'll talk a little bit more about that game. Like yeah. after, just kind of like, what's the saddest moment in your high school, like as a high school coach, you're a long time high school coach. What's the saddest moment every year? It's, to me, it's always that like huddle on the field right after you just lost your last game, right? You, you know what I'm talking about. Like you just yeah. lost your playoffs <laughs> and your kids are all crying and you're like, we're on the field. This is like the saddest you're ever going to be because you're going to have the bus ride back and it's kind of, you'll start to get over it. But that's the saddest you're ever going to be. And I just remember being like, we got to comfort these kids right now because they just played their asses off and they lost a heartbreaker. We, we played hard. I'm not going to say we didn't play hard. It's just, I just remember thinking that. And I, I, this is a long story. Yeah. This might be the last one. I went to this coaching clinic a couple years ago with Mike and I remember sitting there with standing and it was like, it was a football Ontario coaching clinic. And it was like one of the mandatory ones. And I got there. I was like, I don't want to be here. I want to learn X and O's. I don't want to talk about nutrition and stuff. And, I understood why you have to do it. And I was kind of like, I just got to get through this so I can get this certificate so I can fulfill the mandate that I have to have the coach. And the one thing that they talked about was about like breathing exercises, which to me, I was just like, this is, I don't give a gee whiz about this, but I tried to pay attention to it. And I remember at one of the breaks, I said to Mike, I'm like, I feel like this is something we could probably do a little bit more. Like I remember thinking back to all of the games in the past where kids would be like so nervous before the game. I was like, this is, I think it's something we should look into. Mike's like, yeah, I agree. So I started to try to incorporate a little bit of that stuff with the team. And I remember after the game in that huddle on the field, like as Lori is over there celebrating, our kids are over here crying, just being like, Hey, let's just take 30 seconds before we talk, just kind of collect our breath. So we went through this like inhale, exhale thing which we had done all game. And it really helped me. Like it kind of settled my nerves. And then Mike talked to the players. We, I talked, Dave talked, we all kind of said our things, but I think it just like all grounded me from like what we just, I just got shocked. I was like, Oh my God, we just lost on the last play of the game. So something like that. Like if I had not paid attention to that clinic, I never would have learned something. And I, five years ago, I probably would have been like, ah, screw this. I'm just going to daydream about football power counter H. <laughs> but like kind of being trying to like be a little bit more open yeah. to other thoughts. Yeah. It gave me something that I was able to bring back to our kids. And I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. But. Yeah, no. And, and what I really heard from you there, brother, is, is just that idea. Like in that moment, I think you really, you, you gave them a valuable skill of what really matters at the end of the day, right? Like you gave them a skill on the impo- importance of, 
being resilient about how to actually face adversity, right? And a simple tool as simply taking 30 seconds to breathe, which as you said, it's grounding, it's anchoring. Mm -hmm. And just that lesson there, I, I have no doubt that they, some athletes probably, you know, got it, some did it, but I, I know that that lesson is going to carry forward because you reminded them that their power is always within. Like you're going to be faced with some challenges, obstacles, setbacks. Yeah. And, and you, you always have the power, right. To, to reframe and, 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 and take the power back. hundred percent. I agree. So I want to be respectful of your time and energy. So, so I'm curious. So, you know, we're having this conversation a year from now, three years from now, five years from now, you know, one of my biggest purposes in life is, is to stretch people, right. It's to just remind people of what's possible when you go all in and truly bet on yourself, you know, what, what's, what's the vision? Like if everything, you know, everything you touch turns to gold, you know, where, where do you see the beefs going? What, what, what do you see overall for the program? I'd like to win a national championship. That'd be pretty big. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it kind of brings some recognition to London football. And I think it would okay. validate a lot of what people are doing here in London. Yeah. And I think sometimes when like there's success in London, a lot of people don't realize like there's a lot of people that helped those kids way before that they got there. Like I look at the high school coaches, there's some great high school coaches in London and and I think some people are like, well, that team doesn't win a lot. That guy must not be a good coach. No, that guy's an amazing coach. Like, he is squeezing everything he can out of that program. Like, you understand? That guy's way overachieving yeah. compared to what, like, the resources he has. So what I would like to create in a perfect world is something where, like, when we win a national championship, there's a lot of people in London that are like, I had a part of that. I was part of that. And I want to create something where people can be included in our journey to a national championship and our players will play and be prideful of what they were able to accomplish and where the alumni come back and support it. I want to create like a football dynasty destination in London where it's just like all encompassing. Everybody can be like supporting it. I want to become London's football team. And that's not a knock on Western. I love Western football. I will always support Western football because my time there was very valuable to me. I think we serve a different niche than them, but I want to create something where like the entire city can get behind our team and support our players and our players want to play here. And there's players that say like, my path is going to take me to the beef beers versus like going to university because I'm going on a different track. And at the end of it, we win something and everyone is like kind of a part of it. Bringing people along is something that I've learned has to happen to be a great football team, right? I, I talked to my brother, not as much of a football as people probably. I'm sure there's people that think we just talk about football all the time. We, we barely, <laughs> rarely talk about football. We talk about football more now that we're not on opposite sides. It's hard to talk about football when you're coaching against them and he's recruiting yeah. the same yeah. players you are. But one thing he said is like at Queens, his, one of his missions is to try to make every single person a Queens fan one person at a time. And I was like, I'm stealing that from you. I'm going to try to make every person in London a Beast fan one person at a time and try to convince people that like our team is viable to support. Like you're not wasting your time or your money or your resources if you support us as well. And you can support us and support Western. There's no reason why we can't do both. If we're mm -hmm. both at the highest level, that means our city is doing a great job in football. The junior Mustangs and the Thunderbirds and the LFA and the high schools are all doing a great job. We're developing these kids. And at the end of the day, we all should be pride, like have pride in what we've created. So that's kind of my, my, 
my okay. mission to create something like that. Just, just create something where we're all part of it. Yeah, no, I love fostering this greater sense of community. So I have one question. Can I ask you one more on that one? Sure. You've kind of piqued my interest. You got the engine yeah. firing. What needs to happen for that to make that dream a reality? Like from your end, like to foster that greater sense of community within um, the city and maybe it's province too as large. Sure. We got to win games. This helps. It's, it's a lot easier to yeah. convince people to be part of things when you're successful. Yeah. We got to get out there. And I think we got to show people earlier in their football cycle that this is a viable place for you to play. I think one of the things that might have, I'm not knocking anybody that's been around. I was a part of the beast in 2015. I was here too. I think sometimes it's an afterthought, like, oh, I'll play beast in like March. I think we need to get around to players in September and say, hey, you can play for us in the future. We have a spot for you. Start to set your track on coming and playing for us versus being an afterthought, right? It's okay that you're not going to go to university. Maybe you're not being yeah. recruited. That's okay. We are a place for you as well. So try to create that. Mm-hmm. And then just like getting our players out in the community more is something we got to do. Providing resources yeah. for our players so that when they come here, not every kid on our team is going to go to community college either. It's not like we're just a community college team where if you go to Western, you play university. If you go to Fanshawe, you play Peace. Like there's players here that are going to have jobs. They're going to go and get into trades. So we need to provide, or there's kids that are going to graduate high school and not know what they're going to do. What do I do with that kid? What is that kid's path? Well, hey, we set up a partnership with a job program. We're going to get that kid a job. Like, so you're trying to give building infrastructure is what I say I'm doing right now. Yeah. Build infrastructure for players so that we can provide them opportunities so that they can play football as well. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to have great football players too. Like, I want to go out and find really good football players that aren't going to university and bring them into our team. There's their players are out there. There is great players in London that are not academically going to move on to university. That doesn't mean that they're not good. They're just as good. They're just going on a different track. So hopefully that makes sense. I don't know. If I, yeah, I no, it does. It, it, what I really heard from you again was, was creating the environment, right. And allowing them to be successful in whatever pathway they choose. Right. And, and that speaks volumes about you seeing the big picture. And the other thing is like, I'll finish up and then I'll let you get, there's coaches out there that are really good coaches too, but they just can't coach high school football because of the work commitment. They can't coach university. Like I started to realize when I was trying to get the staff in order, like there's great coaches out there too that we could get. So Mm -hmm. it's not just finding the great players. We're trying to find really good coaches, coaches that are dedicated, that want to coach at a high level, that want to be a part of something and build a a program long-term that just don't have the ability to coach high school or coach university. And I think we're going to provide those guys an opportunity as well. So it's not just, players it's coaches there's people that want to be a part of the program that don't want to coach or well you can support us in another way like if people want to be a part of it i gotta i think one of my jobs is i gotta find a way to give you a chance to be a part of it that's something i'm, I'm trying to learn is like how do i do that job that's yeah. what i'm doing more right now than x's and o's is figuring out how to make people a part of what we're trying to build so definitely okay so coach I, i'm curious you know, if, if someone wants to connect, you know, an athlete, you know, a coach, a, a player, a parent, you know, wants to connect, what, what what's the best way for the, for them to connect with you and the beefs? Uh, Instagram or Twitter. My handle is at coach Matt Snyder. That's my coaching profile. So you can okay. add me on that in the chat. You can email me at Matt Snyder at London And okay. uh, I'll get that on my phone as well. So I love to talk to coaches. Like I love when 
people reach out to me and we'll chat. I'll send you anything I have, unless you coach at the Fratman or I guess St. Clair now. I'm not going to send those guys anything, but um, yeah, like, yeah, reach out to me, add me on Instagram. If you're a player looking for a place to play in 2022, or if you're looking in the future, like you're, you kind of realize your track's going to take you this way. Let's have a chat about football. I'll send you some stuff that'll give you some information and I'll answer as many questions as I can for you. And if it's a good fit, we can set up a time to talk and see if we can make it work. So I'm out there. Okay. So coach, I, I just want to take a moment just to acknowledge you. I, I want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the man you are, you know, the great husband you are, the great son, the great brother, the great teacher, coach, mentor, but more importantly, the amazing human being you are, Matt. The one thing that I've really um, appreciate about you and I've always through the years is just your level of consistency. Like, you know what I mean? Like you are just so passionate. You just want to help more people. And I mean, for you, you know, football is the vehicle to teach them these great life lessons, but you're so consistent. Your, your, your passion is so consistent. It's just a great reminder that when you show up and put in the reps and sets every day, great things happen. So thank you for that reminder. And thank you for being who you are. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no worries. So folks, coach dropped so many valuable nuggets of wisdom. And as I often remind you in the huddle, knowledge is potential power. It's the focus and consistent application of that great knowledge that actually creates great results. So take one of these valuable nuggets of wisdom and go apply it to your life today. And that will allow you to reach your next level of greatness. And as I like to remind you every week, you are deserving of greatness. You are worthy of greatness. You are greatness. Now go live it. And my only ask here is, if this conversation resonated with you, please share it out, right? The more people we have listening, watching, hearing these ideas, the more people we're going to help elevate to their next level of greatness. Have a blessed rest of your day, and I'll chat with you next time in the huddle.